Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum, Ibram X. Kendi, author of How to Be an Anti-Racist, has a new book, How to Raise an Anti-Racist, a guide for caregivers and parents, where he shares his own experience of not wanting to talk about race with his daughter at first. We'll hear how Kendi came to realize that trying to protect kids by not talking about racism was no protection at all. And 4th of July fireworks are not the only reason to look to the skies this month. We'll hear about the celestial events that should be on your radar. That's all next on Forum. Join us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Meteor showers, unusual planetary alignments, and more await us this month. And astronomer Andrew Fracknoy is here to share what the skies have in store for us. Fracknoy is a professor with Fromm Institute at the University of San Francisco and the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at SF State, also the author of many textbooks and popular books about astronomy. So listeners, if you've got stargazing or other astronomy-related questions, you are welcome to post them now on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, or to email them to forum at kqed.org. Thanks for coming on Forum, Andrew Fracknoy. Well, it's great to be back with you. <laughs> so tell us first about the meteor showers that are coming. Well, um, meteor showers for our listeners are times when the Earth intersects a swarm of cosmic garbage <laughs> left behind by comets just like that character in the Peanuts cartoon that was always trailing dirt behind him. Uh, This is what comets do in our skies. And when we get into one of these trails of dirt, they burn up in the Earth's atmosphere and they make these flashes of light that we call shooting stars or meteors. And we've got one coming up around July 30th, uh, which means that for a couple of days before July 30th, a couple of days afterwards, if you get into a dark sky, you might see more shooting stars than usual. Ah, cool. Well, July, you say, is also a good month for planetary viewing. Can you tell us about the planets that will be most visible and when? 
So there's good news and bad news. The good news is that lots of planets are visible. The bad news is you have to get up before the sun to see them. Uh, and the sun rises around 6 a.m. this month. So it's especially between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. If you're one of those people who gets up early or you're too worried about Supreme Court decisions to be able to sleep, then uh, between 5 and 6 uh, you can see, particularly looking toward the east and southeast, you can see a series of planets. Um, uh, for example, if you look July 18th through the 22nd in the southeast, you'll see Mars, a crescent moon, and Jupiter all shining brightly toward the southeast. Well, we've got a listener writing, with so much light pollution, where can I reliably see all these great astronomical moments. You mentioned trying to get to a dark sky. What are your tricks or play favorite places or things that you like to do to make sure you can get the best view, Andrew Frackman? This is actually an incredibly difficult problem in the Bay Area because we're dealing also with fog uh, in the summer as well as with the city lights. So the best thing to do is to try to get into a country environment. If you're taking a vacation with the kids, if you're uh, out uh, perhaps over the weekend, you can get to a darker site where the city lights are not so easily seen. Uh, that's really the best. National parks, state parks, all offer open fields, which are wonderful for stargazing. And what I recommend these days is for people who have a smartphone to invest maybe 3 to $10 in one of these amazing apps that they now make for smartphones. Uh, where you can raise your phone to the sky and the phone knows its, knows its location and how high up it is because it's got sensors built in. You can point at the sky and it will show you what you're seeing in the night sky. Uh, there are a number of these with, uh, with different names like Star Walk or Sky Safari, Star Tracker, Sky View. They're all pretty much similar in the basics that they can do. What I recommend is people try to get the paid version, which is about 3 to $10. Then you don't have to deal with ads. But those are great for suddenly becoming an expert on what's <laughs> above your head. We're talking about July's natural fireworks, the celestial fireworks this month with Andrew Fracknoy, astronomer and professor at Brahm Institute at the University of San Francisco. And he's got a website full of free materials on astronomy. It's at andrewfracknoy.com. And you can always ask your questions by posting them on Twitter or Facebook or emailing forum at kqed.org. Mina, can I, yeah. can I just say it's at fracknoy.com. Oh, fracknoy.com. Fracknoy, F-R-A-K-N-O-I.com. For some reason, that domain was not in great demand. <laughs> so I was able to get it. Well, thanks for, the, thanks for the correction. You know, I want to spend a few moments on the James Webb Space Telescope and word we got this week from NASA Administrator Bill Nelson that it will release its first images on July 12th. Can you uh, talk about the significance of what that telescope is capturing? That's right. Well, this is our most powerful telescope yet built. Um the uh, array of mirrors is about six and a half yards wide, but it's a special telescope because it won't be looking for visible light from the universe like our eyes do. It will be looking for heat rays. And that's a whole different kind of universe out there, things that glow with heat and not just light. For example, stars that are just being born 
are too cool to give off light waves in great quantity, but they do have their own heat glow that this giant telescope will capture. So we're looking not just to get really amazing views of the universe, but to get views of objects we haven't been able to see before, whether it's planets orbiting other stars or the nurseries in which stars are first being born with an array of planets around them, or uh, galaxies from the dawn of time when everything was still being put together. These are all things that the James Webb Telescope will show us from its orbit a million miles from Earth and shielded from the sun. Well, I am really excited because I understand that the NASA scientists who've seen some of these images have been in awe. I think one of the leaders of NASA's programs reported almost crying uh, when they saw some of some of these images, basically saying that suddenly nature was releasing some of its secrets. It's really monumental, isn't it? It is. The thing about this telescope is that it was a crazy design. The mirrors couldn't fit into the launch vehicle, so they had to be folded up and then unfolded to shield it from the sun's heat. We had to unfurl a sunshade the size of a tennis court. And then everything had to be moved into position remotely and made to work together. Uh, people were really crossing their fingers and their toes that all these different mechanisms would work a million miles from Earth. And by gum, they did. Everything worked perfectly. And it's, it's already taking pictures. And well, as you say, it will be unveiled July 12th. Wow. And we'll be sharing some of the very first images from this unusual and dramatic telescope. Well, here is a question from Johnny. Johnny writes, I am eight years old. Does how you view the stars change if you're in the southern versus northern hemisphere? Are constellations upside down? What a great question. So yes, the Earth is a round planet. And so it's like trying to see your feet. If they're right under a big fat belly, you can't see them. So in the same way as we go around the Earth, the, the north side of the Earth sees one set of constellations, and the south side of the Earth sees a completely different set of constellations. So astronomers who are experts on the sky up here in the north, when they go to use the telescope in Australia, have to go back to school and learn all the constellations over again. And this listener wants to know, great question, Johnny, thanks. This listener wants to know what's a good basic telescope to get for a child interested in astronomy. Well, that's a tough question. It's like asking what's the best car to buy. It depends so much on what you want to do with it. Um, what I recommend is that uh, listeners who are interested in buying their first telescope go to the websites for the two big magazines that cover astronomy, Sky and Telescope magazine and Astronomy Magazine. Mm -hmm. And both of them have on their website a good introduction to the different types of telescopes. And then asking you some questions, what do you want to do with it? How much do you want to spend? Uh, do you want to photograph the sky or just view it? And based on that, they make recommendations for the best type of telescope. So that would be my way to go. Go to the Astronomy Magazine or Sky and Telescope Magazine website and just search there for first telescope advice. All right. So another big announcement this week was NASA saying that the pre-launch rehearsal is complete and soon Artemis will fly on an uncrewed mission around the moon. 
What can you tell us about Artemis and what it's promising? Oh, oh my goodness, Artemis. Yes, well, this is the, the Trump administration wanting to, to get back to the moon with their space force. So uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a project that many astronomers are a little bit worried about because it will mm. siphon off a lot of money from scientific research. But the idea is that in a multi-stage development, we want to go back to the moon. And this is the part I like if we do land on the moon, to land the first woman on the moon. The 12 people who have walked on the moon were all men, and it's high time to get a woman to the moon if we're gonna send people back. But many scientists are concerned that we don't really need to send people back to the moon. We have very capable robots who are exploring the moon on our behalf and spending all the money to put people back on the moon may not be the wisest use of our space funds. But uh, it, it is a project that's gonna go in stages. They're gonna build a space station around the moon and it's from there that the landing might take place. Well, meantime, you wanna share anything about what the Mars Perseverance rover has been up to? Now this, this I'm very excited about. So what, what our listeners need to know is that we have good evidence now that ancient Mars was very different from Mars today. Mars today is a dry desert but billions of years ago, ancient Mars had lakes, rivers, even small oceans. And where there was water, we think life might have begun there. And so we have sent the Perseverance rover down into a crater, which was an ancient lake fed by a river. And there's a, a delta, much like the Mississippi River has a big delta. And it's that delta that the Perseverance rover is supposed to explore. Now, getting to the delta has been difficult. It had this Ingenuity helicopter acting as a scout, showing it the best roads. And now the big news is it's reached that delta, that river delta. And there are rocks already clearly visible to the cameras that look like they were put together by flowing water. And it's in those rocks that we're going to be looking for evidence of ancient life. Well, Andrew Fracknoy, thank you so much for joining us and telling us about the many things to look forward to this month. My pleasure. I hope your listeners keep looking up. Again, Andrew Fracknoy, an astronomer and professor at Brom Institute at the University of San Francisco, Fracknoy.com. Coming up, we'll hear my conversation with Ibram X. Kendi about his book for caregivers and parents called How to Raise an Anti-Racist. We actually recorded our conversation off air after our planned show with him last Friday was preempted by the Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe. Stay with us for that. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone? 
hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years. Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.